Engaging Leader, Episode 170, Transforming Resistance to Change, featuring Christine Cummerford. Leadership inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. Just a quick heads up that next week we're going to be talking about why you should stop trying to multitask. That'll be a discussion based on Chapter 3 of the book, The One Thing, The Surprisingly Simple Truth Behind Extraordinary Results by Gary Keller. But today I'm excited to talk about how great leaders overcome resistance to change and the stress that accompanies it. As leaders, we are often leading change or leading progress in our organizations, and we need powerful, easy-to-learn tools to navigate the emotions connected with growth and change and to get our team on track. Today's guest is Christine Cummerford, and we're going to be talking about tools to help leaders overcome resistance to change, not by manipulating people, but by helping them develop emotional agility. Christine's latest book is called Power Your Tribe, Create Resilient Teams in Turbulent Times. Christine is a leadership consultant and employee engagement expert, and she was recently named one of the top 50 human behavior experts to follow and one of the global employee engagement influencers. She's a leadership columnist for Forbes.com and lectures at Harvard Business School. Her two previous New York Times best-selling business books are Smart Tribes, How Teams Become Brilliant Together, and Rules for Renegades. Christine, welcome to Engaging Leader. Thank you, Jesse. It's awesome to be here. Christine, there's so much change going on in the world constantly, and then we as leaders often are creating even more change for our teams, either because we've got a new initiative we want to launch or our whole organization has a big change to implement. What's going on in our people's brains when we come to them and say, hey, it's time to change? Yeah, well, there's a couple of things that I think are interesting. And let's also remember that there are changes that come from the outside world and just blindside us too. We don't even initiate them. Yeah. So we have two paths that we can lead our people down when they're in times of change. Change does cause stress, of course. It does often cause us to go into what we call our critter brain. We call it critter just to make it fun, like an animal, (laughs) safe or not, dead or not. And it's the fight, flight, freeze response, right? It's not that change is bad. It's that we fear what will be different. So we have two paths. We can either, when we have the stress of change, we're going to see people either go into resistance rejection, frustration, anger, dismissal of that new idea or new initiative, and they're going to reject change. Okay, that's path number one. Path number two, if as leaders, this is about leadership agility. This is what we do. We do leadership and workplace agility, Jesse. So path number two, here comes the stress of change. We consent. Consent, my friend, is the opposite of resistance. Consent doesn't doesn't mean, hey, this is okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with this. Consent isn't approval or acceptance. Consent is just saying, wow, I'm stressed. Woo, lots of change. So it's being present with what's happening. So our energy can then shift from consent to curiosity. Ah, that's the secret. Ah, I wonder what this change could bring. 
I wonder what could be better. I wonder what might be different. Then we can go into, as you, you just heard me, go from consent to curiosity to inquiry. We're starting to ask questions, right? We're now zooming into our prefrontal cortex where we are envisioning a new future, problem solving, saying I'm here and I want to be there. What might that look like? What might the steps be to get there? So we're engaging all three parts of the brain. We're in the smart state as opposed to being in fight, flight, freeze, lockdown. From that inquiry, from asking those questions, from the curiosity, we go into open-mindedness and new perspective, and we embrace this brave, new, exciting world because we're getting emotionally engaged from, thank goodness, immediately consent, right, to curiosity, to inquiry, etc. And then the train is left the station in a positive way. So I'm guessing that the people that we share this change to, they're going to go through those phases probably not all immediately. It's not going to be <laughs> instantaneous. Woo! Okay, I'm ready to be positive about this. Right. Right on, brother. No, here's what happens. Um, human being, a given human being will always go to the best feeling choice on the behavioral menu. And if in a given context, like in the context of change, there isn't a good feeling choice, they will go to the choice that feels least bad. Mm. So our great good fortune as leaders is to be able to say, ha, what new behaviors would I like to add to the behavioral menu of my people? So as we start to look at that, and we don't have judgment or anything, we're just saying everybody has a behavioral menu, okay? Um, what behaviors do I want to help create and how do people actually experience the world and create those behaviors as a result? And here's what happens. So we see here, etc. we deal with our senses. We get sensory information. It zooms into our brainstem and right now it's just raw data. Okay. We see a change initiative. We hear about a change initiative. It zooms into our, uh, reptilian brain, if you will, our brainstem. Then it moves forward into our mammalian brain where feelings are attached and emotion is attached. Okay, that's, that's where you might get like some discomfort or some fear or some hope or some curiosity. And then it gets to our prefrontal cortex where we make meaning. We decide, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Super basic example. Say that you see um, your boss and um, they have a furrowed brow. And they walk past you and they've got like this furrow brown. They look really kind of stressed and serious. That sensory information, that visual you just got might then cause you to crunch up your shoulders. And then you might make meaning of, oh my gosh, there's going to be some layoffs. Oh no. Oh no. Who's going to fire next? That's just a story you made up. That's a story that you made up based on a chunk of visual data. Mm -hmm. If we can teach our people to be more emotionally agile, right? The boss walks by or the boss is down with you with the furrow brow. We can say to the boss, how are you? How are you doing? And as companies start to use the emotion wheel, which we'll share with everybody, we can start to normalize having emotions because in business, it's been like, oh, don't be emotional. Like it's a negative thing. Yes. But we're, we're emotional beings. That's how we experience the world. I mean, you know, emotions to humans are like wings are to a bird. You know, we can't move through our life without emotions. Emotions aren't bad. When we consent versus resist, we can say, wow, I'm frustrated. Wow, I'm scared. Wow, I'm really irritated right now, you know, et cetera. We can get where we are. And that's when we're going to use tool number one that we want to introduce today, which is the outcome frame. So here I am. 
Everybody's stressed. It's a big change. First, let's just consent. Woo, lots of change. Okay. Well, let's actually reframe change as growth. Why are we changing? We're not changing just because we're bored and we're just going to mix stuff up. (laughs) We're changing to create some sort of an outcome. So let's first kind of get really present to that. We're not changing because we're big meanies. We're changing because we want to create something cool. We, we find when we, as soon as we can take that word change and make it into growth or evolution or some sort of positive thing, that helps. But next then we've got to enroll and engage everybody. And the best tool for that, that brings us from critter state, fight, flight, freeze, to smart state, innovation, collaboration, seeing the glorious future and wanting to create it is the outcome frame. Everybody, please jot this down. The first question in the outcome frame is, what would you like, or if you're going to do it with a group, what would we like? We have a client that just launched a project, a product, and the market didn't really accept it very well. Hmm. Everybody freaked out. Well, they had the, on our client, to be, to be fair to the results and to the team, they hadn't really done their research. Hmm. So it was, yeah, the dogs weren't eating the dog food, if you will. So everybody was freaked out. The CEO gathered everybody up and said, yep. We're all disappointed. We're all a little scared. We're all frustrated. What would we like? What would we like to create? So what would you like or what would we like? Okay. And we, we create an outcome that we can uh, create and maintain. What will having that do for us? How will we feel? How will we benefit? Get as detailed as you can here. How will we know when we have it? How will we know when we have this outcome that we want? What proof is going to show up? One of my favorite questions uh, what a value might we risk or lose because stuff is going to change. What side effects might occur? What a value might we risk or lose when, where, with whom would we like it? Question number five. Okay. Cause you need to scope. We want this change within 90 days. It's going to involve the engineering department and marketing. And, um, it's only at work. Of course, we don't need this change at home. And then what are our next steps? When you do a group outcome frame, when you get to the next steps, Bob's going to take on this and Juan's going to take on that. And Suzanne's going to take on this and Chang is going to take on that. And suddenly you've got everybody saying, yeah, I'll do this. I'll do this. We're creating this shared outcome. And now everybody is so deep in that desired state that like the freaky change is like way in the rearview mirror. So outcome frame is a great tool. We talk about that. We go into that in depth in a couple of chapters in power your tribe and I want people to start to think about how are we helping people see things differently and make new meaning? Yeah, there's a quote in the book that I love. You say, what matters is not what happens, but what it means. Change the meaning, change the feeling. Yes, something is good because we say it's good, it's bad because we say it's bad. Here's an example from my personal life. My dad, as he was dying with pancreatic cancer, said to me, you know, Cancer, honey, it's the second best thing that ever happened to me. And I said, wow, dad, well, what was the first? And he's like, well, you know, marrying your mom. I'm like, oh, yay. And um, I said, what made, what made this pancreatic cancer stage four, you know, incurable, metastasized everywhere. He was definitely going to die. What made this cancer so awesome? And he said, it helped me open my heart. And I would rather live for four months with a huge open heart to live for 40 more years. And I was mm. like, right on, Dad. Wow, yes. That's like a big heck of a reframe. You yes. Know? <laughs> you know? So we can have this beautiful experience instead of like all this, you know, 
you know, shock, horror, etc. And um, Shakespeare said this hundreds of years ago, thinking is neither good nor bad. Excuse me. Things are neither good nor bad, only thinking makes them so. Mm. Oh my gosh, it's so hard to find a job these days out of college. It's so crowded. Unemployment is so low. I don't have any experience. Or it is so awesome to be job hunting right now, fresh out of college. I am bringing my A game in ways I didn't even think of. I am so creatively marketing myself. I'm doing all this cool stuff to really get in front of people. I'm really using, you know, digital technology, et cetera. And I'm even using FedExes to get in front of people. It's awesome. Yeah. And it's interesting. I think as leaders, a lot of times you said it earlier, we're not comfortable with emotions and feelings. And so we expect everybody to just change their feeling on a dime. Just And I don't know what we're expecting. Stuff down whatever feelings you may have and just take this one. And um, I, I think I'm personally pretty bad at that. I don't even really, I'm not aware of what feelings I'm thinking. I have a, a generally optimistic uh, view frame, I guess, point, point perspective. Yeah. And so I, I naturally want to switch to the positive frame. But it's helpful, I think, to process our feelings and to help our t- our people understand and process their feelings rather than pretending they don't exist. So you mentioned the emotion wheel. Tell us about that tool. Yes. And thank you so much for, for the whole processing our feelings thing. Because yeah, we're not talking about Pollyanna and about like saying, well, I'm not really irritated and angry and scared. <laughs> no, you are. <laughs> so you consent to it. Um, the emotion wheel And the next tool I want to talk about from Power Your Tribe, Maneuvers of Consciousness, Mm. um, because I want us to start to see how incredibly, incredibly resilient and agile human beings actually are. The emotion wheel is just like this. It's a wheel, and we're going to share it with you guys. And um, it helps you understand where you are at a given point, because uh, from Travis Bradbury's most recent uh, research, only 36% hard to believe, 36% of humans know what they're feeling at any given point. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. And I, I would say I'm not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> because here's the thing. People are like, how are you doing good? How are you doing good? Okay, good's not an emotion. What specifically, right. right? I'm feeling helpful. I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling kind of tired. I'm feeling a little discouraged, you know? Mm-hmm. Whatever. Whatever's true. So the emotion wheel is a beautiful wheel. Everybody imagine... Um, that, that it's like a, a pie that's sliced in half. And then there are three slices at the top and three at the bottom. So at the top, mad, sad, scared, and all the emotions that sort of fan off of those. So if you say, I'm feeling overwhelmed, you see like the peripheral emotions. Oh, overwhelmed, that's actually scared. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Is. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, I actually didn't realize that was the root, right, of overwhelmed. And then so mad, sad, scared across the top, peaceful, powerful, joyful across the body. Maneuvers of consciousness, which is an awesome, awesome tool that we talk about in the release resistance chapter in Power Your Tribe. It, it's all you need to have by is your emotion wheel. It's best to have your buddy to do it with somebody else to just hold space. It's more powerful and they'll egg you on if you start to chicken out. Okay. <laughs> and you have to have a timer because you got to have, you got to do it for three minutes And we walk you through in that chapter, but let me just give you the executive summary. You're going to go through four stages. First, negative evaluation. So if you're really stuck in something and you're really just mad about it, grab maneuvers of consciousness. It's going to be the fastest way to shift your state. 
So set the timer for three minutes, negative evaluation. This is such a stupid change. I hate this new policy. Really just negatively let it rip. Mm -hmm. Just let it all out. This is how I feel about it. This is why I'm angry about it. And your buddy just shuts up and just holds space. Then three minutes are up. You look at the emotion wheel. I am angry. I am um, irritated. I am vengeful. You just name them all out. And your buddy just writes them down. Okay. Then since emotions do hold energy, which we know from David Hawkins research, which we're not going to go into right now, but you shake your body out. Your buddy will ask you a non sequitur question, ideally a number question. What's your favorite number today? Or pick a number between one and 10. Numbers are great because they break our state. That's why it's called a break state. We have to break that state. And now we're going to go to the next one. So negative evaluation is first. Second, one of my favorite things, curiosity. So now we get curious about it, but we couldn't do it. We couldn't go there yet, Jesse, because we had to just purge, right? So next we go to curiosity. Well, I'm curious as to how this change came about. I'm curious about who's involved in this initiative. I'm curious about what the impacts could be about this initiative. I'm curious about um, in three years, how will we feel about this initiative? So you just get super curious. Three whole minutes. It actually takes longer than you think. Hmm. Three minutes of total curiosity. Your buddy is just quiet. Bing, bing. Timer goes up. You look at the emotion wheel. Huh. Now I'm feeling, you know, um, a little bit, obviously, you know, now I'm curious. Now I'm feeling kind of inquisitive. And you see how radically your emotional state has changed. You know, but wait, there's two more stages. It's going to get really changed and feel really good. Remember, the better feeling, the better meaning. Things that we decide feel good, you know, Mm -hmm. feel good, right? Go back to my dad's example of cancer, right? Um, So... After curiosity, again, break state, uh, how many steps from your car to your uh, front door? Okay, just something random. <laughs> now, for right. all of our listeners, Christine is shaking her hands. <laughs> shaking my body. And she's, she's kind of jumping up and down a little bit, shaking her body. And I'm like, I've, I want to do it too because I just like, that actually just looks good. I'm like, <laughs> so now I'm doing it. <laughs> it does feel good. Yeah, just release that tension. I learned when I was doing some work in Japan and they call it bounce and shake. They bounce up and down and they shake their arms out. Yes. And it really releases tension. It's, and it's like Anyways. a yoga, it's like a yoga move too, or, or the crying baby or something like that. You know what it does for you? It it really it moves your lymph system. Mm. Mm. Yeah, so it's really good for your lymph system to to bounce and shake, if you will. Okay, here comes the third one. Okay. So we did negative evaluation. We did curiosity. Now we're going to go to amazement. Whoa! It is amazing that this thing is happening. Um, and then we go into all the things that are amazing about it, and we give you all sorts of prompts in the book in case you're like amazing. How do I do that? So we we, we walk through you with it on that. And then again, look at the emotion wheel. Look at where you are now. You're probably getting more in the peaceful, powerful, joyful area of the wheel. Again, non sequitur question. How many clouds should be in the sky today? 5,000 million trillion. Okay, great. (laughs) Shake your body up. Here goes the last one. Total appreciation. Wow. What is great about this initiative? Well, it sure is helping me stretch and grow. Sure is helping me have a deeper appreciation for operations because... They do a lot of stuff I never even knew about. Um, what is really great about this? It's helping It's helping me have more compassion for others and what their experiences in change. And we go into that appreciation again for three minutes. Uh, we look at the emotional meal. We shake our body out. And, we, and then, then, after maneuvers of consciousness, if you haven't done it yet, you want to go into your outcome frame. 
because you've cleared, right? And so now you want to say, and so now what would I like? So if you're super, super stuck in a change initiative, do the maneuvers of consciousness first and do the outcome frame second. And guys, just go to poweryourtribe.com. Go to poweryourtribe.com. Sign up. That will give you access to all the videos, to the webinars that we're doing. We do webinars on a regular basis. We've got a webinar coming up in a week. It's an hour long. You can bring your team. We want to teach people as many of these tools as possible because we're on a mission. We want a million people to become emotionally agile, emotionally resilient this year. We are talking with Christine Comerford about her new book, Power Your Tribe, and she has a free webinar uh, on February 28th, 2018 at 10 a.m. Pacific time. So to sign up for that, just go to poweryourtribe.com, get signed up for the free resources and videos that are available, and then you will get uh, a chance to sign up for that free webinar as well. Now, Christine, we've been talking about the maneuvers of consciousness exercise. and. Yeah. It seems to me that that's helpful as a leader to participate in that exercise, for one thing, for our own well-being and and acceptance of the change, but also so that we can even frame the messaging when we tell the story about this change that's coming up so we don't just start right with the end state. Hey, we got this great change, but that we're aware that, you know, people are going to be coming from different perspectives. It's going to hit people maybe not so positive at first. And thank you for saying this. And we have to be <laughs> authentic about it too, because uh, as we talk about in uh, Empower Your Tribe, um, our communication must be congruent and authentic. And only seven percent of our communication is the content, is the words that we say. Mm. So we talk about Alexander Moravian's research. And basically what we find is that 55% of our communication is body posture gesture. So if we're like hunched over and looking down and going, this is a really exciting initiative, you know, that's <laughs> not going to help. 38% is vocal tone, pace, pitch. Um, only 7% is the content. So we have to do all these things ourselves so that we are congruent as a leader. This is leadership agility. So when we stand out in front of our team, they believe it because it's true, because hmm. we believe it. Yeah. So, and then would you would you recommend that a leader uh, take their direct reports through this exercise, the maneuvers of consciousness? Yeah, maneuvers of consciousness is best to do in buddy labs. You know, let everybody buddy up, give people some space, right? Because during negative evaluation, they don't need to censor themselves. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. they need to be straight. So in some of our clients, you know, people will spread out in the room when we do a workshop and we're doing this. And, um, you know, the person who's talking kind of faces, you know, the buddy who's facing, you know, who's, who's, you know, whose back is to the wall, just, you know, privacy, some privacy. Um, that's awesome. And then, um, yeah, doing the outcome frame is important after it. And I want to stress when you do the outcome frame, you got to do it for 15 minutes. When you do the outcome frame for 15 minutes, and we're going to talk about visual, auditory, kinesthetic structure, the structure of human experience, when we do the outcome frame for 15 minutes, we actually see, we hear, we feel what it's like in that desired state, in that future state that we want to go to. That then helps our creature neurology, our critter brain, say, oh, I can actually have this. It's not some fantasy. You know, Mm -hmm. that's why we need to go deep in there, because 
think back about what I said about the visual auditory kinesthetic feelings, right? The, the sensory system, the feelings attached to it, the meaning that we make, the meaning that we make, this is super important for us to get, determines or reinforces, expands or contracts our beliefs. The meaning that we make expands or contracts our beliefs about ourselves. I am capable. I am valued here. I can do it. And the company, we are going in the right direction. They care. Um, this is a good plan. And based on those beliefs and the beliefs about self, which are called identity, based on beliefs and identity, boom, behaviors are the result. People will behave based on what they believe. They get excited about the initiative because we do a great job using all these tools. Now they are stretching into stuff they've never done before. Now they are saying, thank God it's Monday. Now they are coming in and saying, boss, I had an awesome idea for how we can uh, move this initiative forward this weekend. And we're like, yes, you know, hmm. they are getting people together to watch Power Your Tribe videos and learn new tools during lunch, you know? So the sensory information that we put out as leaders, how we come across, right? What we say, how we look, helps people feel good or bad, which affects their beliefs about the company and about their leader and about themselves, which determines their behavior and their capabilities. It's all connected. Yeah. So if you're if you're introducing a big change, mm -hmm. what does the sort of timeline look like in you know, you, you're announcing the change and, and where do you go from there? Um, so here's the thing, it depends how big the change is. Um, we work with clients that are doing everything from you know, if they are mid-sized clients, hey guys, we're going to go to 100 million in the next three years, um, and you know, we'll we'll gather everybody, up, we'll gather the leadership team up, we'll map out what it looks like to get to that 100 million, and then we'll break it down, and then we'll, you know, message to the whole team, and then we'll go through a series of workshops, and then we'll we'll help them get to the 100 million. We've just we've done a lot of that lately. If it's a big, huge company, when we work with like you know, Fortune 100 companies, Fortune 1000 companies. It's a new product launch. It's a total pivot, you know, from an old product. Uh, one of our clients just did a $30 billion merger. We worked on another $30 billion merger a year ago. So it depends on the scope of the change. If we look at the organizational experience, the organizational experience, we talk about the individual experience of change. The organizational experience starts out with generally resistance, and then the organization will mock mockery and often leaders get discouraged by mockery mockery is not a bad thing hmm. i love mockery because it means people actually care hmm. what's worse jesse apathy hmm. <sighs> apathy you've got to like poke them with a stick to at least get fight flight freeze going <laughs> so there's some energy <laughs> yes. apathy is the worst man so when they are mocking it means that there is something that they are irritated about but they're paying attention so you say hmm. ah Please tell us all the things that are super lame about this initiative and we'll change what we can, right? Thanks so much for your feedback. If we make some of these changes, will you go forward and support us in this? <sighs> but it's so lame. Yes, and we're gonna work together, really important word guys, together con uh, conveys deep uh, 
the, a deep experience of safety, belonging, and mattering, which we're going to get to in a sec. We're going to figure this out together. So, okay, so it's lame. Okay, so, okay, it's a little bit less lame. Okay, I'll try it. But it's still kind of lame. Okay, it's a little bit less lame. I'll try it. Before you know it, they've moved from mockery to usefulness. Usefulness, boom, habitual. It's habitual now. They've been helping you make it less lame, right, for weeks. Habitual, before they know it, new standard. And you bask in the afterglow from resistance to mockery to usefulness to habitual to new standard. So at the organizational level, that's what's happening. And once we get down to the individual level, we can look at how do we guide everybody forward. So we're going to give you guys, we're going to show you guys the resilience cycle, but we start out by helping everybody release that resistance and <clears throat> increase rapport with themselves, maneuver subconsciousness, this is how I'm feeling about this, then make new meaning. Ah, I see the good stuff here. I see the usefulness here. Then anchor that outcome. So we go even deeper into what that outcome is going to look like. So we're going to put visuals around the office, you know, whatever metaphor, we're going to climb this mountain. We have to give people visual, auditory, kinesthetic metaphors around the office. You see this all the time, Jesse. You drive by a kid's school, right? You see the thermometer and they're painting in the red for the money that they're raising. <laughs> That's a visual, auditory, kinesthetic anchor. Hmm. So we see them all the time. We have to bring them into the workplace. Hmm. We can't just rely on digital stuff. We need walls that have stuff on it. You know, that show that we are climbing this cool mountain. Here are the different milestones that each of these we're going to have a celebration. We're in this together. Yeah, we're cold and hungry, but we're going to the Ritz Carlton, you know, with 24 seven room service and big fluffy duvets. Okay. Mm. So then from there, we enroll and engage other, others. So we've got our kind of solo resilience going. We got, we enroll and engage others powerfully. And then we build that tribal agility where everybody can shuck and jive and adapt and shift and then we expand our tribal power. But really, it's the first four things that take the most energy. Releasing resistance, increasing rapport with ourselves to be really present with ourselves, making that new meaning, and then anchoring. Anchoring that meaning to bring everybody along. You mentioned uh, a little little bit ago, um, I think you were referring to the SBM tool. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Um, beneath it all, beneath it all, people crave safety, belonging, and mattering once they have their physiolog physiological needs met. And as a leader, it's really important to understand what a person's go-to is. Is their go-to safety? So many people will say, you know, the go-to is, um, is safety, of course. People aren't feeling safe. Well, people might actually feel that they might not belong in this brave new world. Mm. So they might be craving belonging or they might feel that, wow, well, with this new division coming in, I'm going to lose some power. I might not matter as much. So it's really important for us to say and to look at our people and to say, okay, who craves certainty, freedom from fear, knowing I have their back? That's the safety person. Um, who is craving having equal value, being part of the team, knowing where they fit in, belonging, right? Who is craving being acknowledged and appreciated and recognized for their unique gifts? mattering. Now, what's cool here is that safety, belonging, mattering is contextual. Mm -hmm. Think about your financial advisor, okay? Your financial advisor. What do you crave most in your relationship with your financial advisor, Jesse? Safety, belonging, mattering. Um, I guess, I don't know. Break that down for me. Because I, I was going to, I thought I was going to say, I, I, I crave that he 
fully has my best interest. He, he's not trying to sell some product or he, he, he's not commissioned or anything like that. Yeah. Okay, great. So um, that might be an experience of safety. So for me, like with my financial guy, I don't care if like I belong and we're best friends or if I matter, <laughs> he just appreciates the heck out of me. Don't mess the money up. Right, right. Okay. Be straight with me and don't mess the money up. <laughs> so a lot of us with our financial advisors, we crave safety, you know, knowing that we can trust them, knowing that they're looking out for us, just like you said, and not selling us nonsense that we don't need that's actually going to lose money. It's about gaining money to increase the experience of financial security. Um, think about brands, right? Um why does somebody buy a BMW, you know, versus a more basic car? What emotional experience are they trying to get? Safety, belonging, or mattering? Usually Chances mattering. are good. Yeah. Thank you. Mattering. <laughs> yeah. So when we start to look at the decisions we make, this is how emotional we are. We're emotional beings. We're trying to get an emotional experience from these products or services. And the advertising industry knows that. So at work... When we understand what a person's go-to is, usually what their go-to in stress is, is also how we light them up. So if somebody craves belonging and they are in stress and cruder state, they will take belonging away. If they feel that they are not belonging inside, they will make the world outside of them match. Okay, identity coherence. So they will withdraw, withhold information, you know, isolate so that's when we say, oh, I'm so glad you're here. Come into this project with me. Who else can we bring into this project? You know, you're a real valuable member of the team. Um, I want to know what you think, you know. And um, likewise, that belonging person, when everything's fine, do to do you know, maybe just when we're getting really busy, it's just it would be great to sit down with them and say, wow, I kind of miss you. Let's connect. Let's go get a cup of coffee, you know. And you bond with them. You belong with them. And that lights them up. So either what gets them out of critter state or what lights them up even further, because it's just nice to know. So with our organization, the best way to find out what's going on emotionally with our organization, because you've got to know that because people are going to the best feeling behavior at any given point, And if people aren't feeling good, that's why you're not getting the behaviors that you want. So we have a tool that we talk about in Power to Try, which I really encourage you guys to use. And it's in the Enroll and Engage Others um, chapter and it's called the SBM index and we tell you how to use it and please use it exactly as we say because that's how you're going to get the best results but what you want to do is you know, set up whatever your survey tool is and you have a unique link for each division or department because maybe sales is craving mattering maybe operations has a belonging challenge you know maybe uh, finance is really not feeling safe and that's why you're, this helps you diagnose what those cultural problems are. So we do the SBM index. It's 10 questions, three safety, three belonging, three mattering. We don't reveal that to people. We just say, here's a 10 question survey. We want to know how you feel about the company or your emotional experience. We don't say even emotional, what your experience is. The last question is net promoter. Would you re refer somebody to work here? And then from there, we know what people are actually caring about. Okay. And we know what their experience is. Okay. So, from there, that's just the beginning, getting the SBM index. From there, we then create a cultural game plan. That's where the real work happens. Growth, appreciation, measurement, engagement. And we're gonna tackle the areas that need the most help. 
So if we see that we have a real belonging challenge, we're going to use very specific tools that help increase belonging. And we talk about some of those tools in Power Your Tribe. And it's a consulting engagement. You know, we lay out the, the 12 to 18 month to whatever, sometimes 24 months, but usually 12 to 18 months is good because you're going to course correct from there. And we put these programs in place and then you redo the SBM index every six months. You see that people are more productive. You see that there is greater employee retention. You see that the morale is going through the roof. You see that everybody is feeling great and you go from there. But it's based on what's their emotional experience here. And then we're creating programs to increase, improve their experience. We have been talking to Christine Comerford about her new book, Power Your Tribe, Choose Resilient Teams in Turbulent Times, available everywhere books are sold. Let's talk a little bit beyond just getting a hold of the book, because there's, there's a whole lot in the book that we haven't had time to, to talk about. Lots of great tools in here. But also, um, we've already talked a little bit about the website, poweryourtribe.com, where folks can can sign up. Um, there's, a, there's the free webinar, one-hour free webinar coming up on February 28th. And uh, that, that, that they, they will have a chance to sign up for. But what else can folks get from the website? You know, uh, thank you, Jesse. Uh, so I, I love uh, and I find it so effective when people grab their sandwich, you know, they grab their salad and they sit down together and they learn. And they learn in a fun way. So what we have on Power Your Tribe is a bunch of videos. And these videos are each very tool specific. So um, everybody grabs their sandwich or whatever, or even just everybody gets together with a cup of coffee for 10 minutes. You know, the videos are anywhere from five to 12 minutes or so. Perfect. They sit down, they, yeah, it's like, it's just a little nugget. It's a micro training, you know? And they take this little micro training and then they all use the tool together. And I think micro trainings are good, like one a week max, you know, maybe one every other week, because you want people to really get that tool and use it a bunch and get familiar with it, good. Now here's the next one. What's also super cool about the Power Your Tribe website is we have a bunch of templates. We have worksheets. And some people have said to me, you know, hey, my vision's not that great. I can't see the diagrams in the book. All the diagrams in full living color, which I prefer the living color, are up there on the website as well. What some of our clients are doing, it's super cool, is they're going, they're sending those graphics to FedEx Kinkos, right? And they're happy. You walk through the office, there's a big emotion wheel. So it just normalizes emotion. People can walk up there going, I'm feeling this and I want to feel that. Will you just sit down with me for 10 minutes or 12 minutes and, and do maneuvers of consciousness? Because I don't want to feel this way anymore. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and we have the resilience cycle and people are printing these things out, which is really powerful. Yeah, yeah it's that's giving cool. them more choice. It's behavioral choice. So videos either to go through on your own or to do as sort of a lunch and learn together and printable graphics that uh, help you, you implement the tools and share them with others on the team? Worksheets, worksheets, worksheets templates, little um, chunks of learning that we just couldn't put in the book because we kind of ran out of space. Yeah. And then Tutorials. for organizations that want to go even further with you, um, you mentioned some of your consulting assignments that you've done. What kind of work are you doing in terms of coaching and workshops and so forth with organizations? Yes, thank you. We really work in three areas. We work in leadership and helping leaders lead more effectively, being more emotionally agile, workplace and creating that really engaging culture. Thank God it's Monday. Everybody firing on all cylinders. Everybody stretching and growing and bringing their personal best. And then sales and marketing. Because since this is all neuroscience based, 
since this is all neuroscience-based, everything that we do, that's why the tools work so effectively. That's why when you see the results in the book and the results on our website, um, our, our main website is smarttribesinstitute.com, smarttribesinstitute.com. But the reason that we get results so quickly is because the tools that you guys are going to be learning and using from Power Your Tribe and if we do workshops together, they speak to the most primal part of the brain. So when we go right to the source, if you will, you know, we get change much faster. We get growth much faster. We shift our behaviors much faster. Fantastic. And we'll put all the links. Uh, well, <clears throat> excuse me. We will put links to all the tools and resources that Christine mentioned on our show notes for this episode. Christine, thanks so much for joining us on Engaging Leader. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was super fun. All right, Engagers, you can find those show notes on our website at engagingleader.com forward slash 170. Our thanks to Monica Harrison, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, James Marler, our sound engineer, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, in the 21st century, the real movers and shakers aren't just leaders, they're engagers. <laughs>